from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go C1. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you high-five somebody around you and tell them it's going down? Find your way all the way down to those comfy recliners. So powerful. Can you just help me out? Is there anyone else here who ugly cried during that video? Am I the only one? I should just dismiss service now. We all just huddle together and ugly cry. All the manly men are like, I knew it was that kind of church, babe. You know, these are real stories, real people. You know, and, and the thing about it that's crazy is like these videos are no edits. Just people sitting down and just saying what God did in their life. And if you were watching this and you thought that maybe you were too far gone, let me just tell you, you might be holding this microphone in your hand one day. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? If you thought that you're too far gone, you might be the main one that God is saying, welcome home, welcome home. Some of the greatest people that are ever going to join this church and become a catalyst to take it to the next level are probably drunk right now, still sobering up from last night. Some of the people here that are going to come into this place and leverage so much that they literally rip people out of hell and restore marriages are probably still laying in the bed right now with some other woman than their wife. And if you don't believe in a grace that scandalous, you haven't met the real Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You might have met the Republican Jesus with a machine gun and a red tie. The Democratic Jesus with a peace sign, flowers in his hair. But when you, read, when you meet the real Jesus, Something just begins to unravel in your heart, all these lies of religion and tradition. And then you'll look around and you'll be in a V1 service one day. And as the new Jesus just begins to invade your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, you'll start, you'll say, oh man, I want to raise my hands so bad. Oh man, I want to cry so bad. And you won't know, suddenly you'll start getting a revelation because I can't convince you that he's real. I mean, I've tried that. For those of you who know my story, Darian was talking about Mike Signorelli came into his life, a former atheist who was addicted to alcohol. But, you know, several years before that, I had somebody come into my life. And oftentimes your freedom is connected to many other people's freedom. And I've tried to duke it out with people. I'll answer any question you got after service. And you can go Facebook Live to share with your friends. But it's, so Paul said, sometimes I come with the cunningness of words. And sometimes I come with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're about to just flip you up both ways until God proves you that he's real. If you want to go science, you want to go reason, you want to go philosophy, let's go. If you want to go signs, miracles, and wonders, let's go. I said let's go. Because my God is able and capable. And see, up until... I was 18 years old. I was insulated in this bubble in Northwest Indiana where I was a young preacher, charismatic, throwing down. People were cheerleading me to just champion this cause of preaching the gospel all across the Midwest. And, and I had never been exposed to just thought outside of that. And that's part of my story is going to a Big Ten university. And I was actually the first college student on both sides of my family. And suddenly I was bombarded by all these thoughts. And, and this is my first thing for those of you guys taking notes. But an intellectual root produces an intellectual pursuit. 
And so if you're here and you're going to try to convince me that you're an atheist and that the root of that atheism is an intellectual problem that you have, the evidence would be an intellectual pursuit. You know, Plato is often attributed with this quote that atheism is a disease of the soul before it ever becomes a misunderstanding of the mind. And most of what you guys are dealing with is not an intellectual problem. You're actually dealing with the disease of your soul. And when people start to say, Heavenly Father, you cringe because of the earthly father that you had. And you know, many of you who are listening to me right now as we're kind of going in and doing surgery on those things that are inside your heart, you truly don't have a God problem. You have a church problem. Can I just preach this morning? You truly don't have a Jesus problem. You've got a Christianity problem. But see, I've got a bigger problem for you, and it's called V1 Church, and it's called all these believers in the room right now who can tell you that he is who he says he is, and just because a whole bunch of people got it wrong, bigoted, small-minded people got it wrong, doesn't take away from the fact that it's the real thing. Come on, somebody. You got it, Ayush. Somebody say the word redemption. That's what we're really talking about. Quit defending your fear and start defending your faith. Redemption. Hebrews chapter 11 says this. You may know it in a different translation, but it says the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. If you wake up and you can't find a reason to wake up, if life just doesn't feel like it's worth living and you've done all the cliches, you've got 136 credit hours at a local college, you married somebody. I mean, you've done all the things that the world tells you, but you still don't have a sense of purpose. I can tell you this, the foundation under everything that makes life worth living is the person of Jesus Christ. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them apart from the crowd. I mean, maybe you just feel like you're stuck in the masses. Maybe you feel like you're just another nameless, faceless person in the crowd. You know, this lineage that's being spoke of in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, is this Jewish Hebrew lineage. And, and, and it, there were these men that they would have known stories about that stood in front of the Red Sea of impossibilities and commanded it to part. And all of a sudden it's split and the people walk through or somebody out of their extreme obedience to God takes their own son to sacrifice him. And at the moment that he's going to plunge the knife in, the angel suddenly begins this redemptive work and said, God's about to give you back more than you ever thought you were given him. And there was this lineage and there were these outsiders and maybe some people like me, maybe some people like you just felt like they couldn't possibly be recipients of that lineage. And all of a sudden, the apostle shows up and said, faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things you can't see. And you know, as I've just gone on my own personal leadership journey, can I tell you that people who struggle with the God that's unseen also struggle materializing a future that's unseen? The same people who have a hard time imagining an unseen God have a very hard time imagining an unseen future. 
But do you know what starts to happen when you start to get a vision? Do you know what starts happening when you activate faith, the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of thing not seen? All of a sudden, a new discipline begins to come over your life. Do you know that when this church was only 30 people, we were in this auditorium and we would start the morning off at 6 and 7 a.m. and we would begin to touch every single seat and say, God, every seat is a soul. Fill it with the life that will come to know you. And we begin to activate vision and we begin to impart expectation and God met it. Now look around and you became the recipient of someone else's faith. You know, there's some battles in your life that you're just simply not going to be able to fight alone. Colossians chapter one, verse 18 says this. The Bible says we look at the sun and we see the God who cannot be seen. Wait, back up. We look at this son, Jesus, and then we see the God who cannot be seen. The direction of your affection produces vision. And if you begin to look in the direction of Jesus, you will begin to get a picture of the unseen God. You know, it's like people can't find God for the same reason that robbers can't find the police. But when you set your heart, the Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And when you get a level of desperation in your life, I'll tell you what, it won't be a YouTube video or any meme that you can read. It won't be in a book on a shelf. It will be an encounter that you have as you begin to call out to a living God. And every single story that I've heard over and over again, whether it's astrophysicists who are coming to Christ by the thousands because of recent discoveries that corroborate the Hebrew account of creation, I mean, but none of that will matter to you if you're not looking for God. If you're looking for an excuse to abandon him, abandon the church, abandon his people, that's the only thing that you're going to find. But when you begin to look for the answers, you'll begin to see God present and apparent all those things. He revealed himself to Darian. He revealed himself to Ozzy. And he wants to reveal himself to you today. You know, if any of you have been raised in church, you probably know the story of David and Goliath. Am I right? killed him with a sling and a stone. But do any of you know the story in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 16, where David actually confronted a giant that he couldn't kill? Many of you probably don't know that story. You know why? Because it makes a terrible children's coloring book. This is the giant David couldn't kill. And as you read 2 Samuel, it talks about this war breaking out again between the Philistines and Israel. David and his men they went down to fight and it says David became exhausted. Someone say exhausted. Now this is David who has Goliath's sword hanging up in his living room. A daily reminder that God used him to do the impossible and catapulted him into a political position of power. And every single day he would have had that reminder of Goliath's sword that David actually, and this is also not so good for the coloring book, but after David killed Goliath with the sling and the stone, he actually cut Goliath's head off with his own sword. Maybe we should do that coloring book, right? But then now you come down sometime later and it says that this war between the Philistines and Israel broke out again. And it basically talks about this, this giant, this confrontation. And so David is exhausted. But all of a sudden, another mighty man rose up came to the rescue, struck the Philistine and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, no more fighting on the front lines for you. Don't snuff out the lamp of Israel. If you're here today, I want to remind you 
No matter how many stories of victories past you've had, there's going to come some times in your life where somebody's going to have to kill the giant for you. And you know, for me, here I was, Mighty Mike, preaching, declaring the Word of God, and now I'm in Indiana University, Bloomington, surrounded by pre-med well scholars and bio majors and people just throttling me and convincing me that God didn't exist. And all of a sudden, in the midst of that, I go on such an intense pursuit for truth that the university picks up on it. And within that next year, I was actually teaching a course on world religions, a survey course, and, and I was on this intense pursuit. But at the same time, God was setting me up and I had a collision course with destiny that I was getting primed because see sometimes you think that you're driving a car but you're actually on a train and those train tracks are fixed and you're getting ready to have a collision course with destiny and I didn't know that so all of a sudden I move in to this house with four other guys that I had never met and one of them introduces himself how you doing this is Lamont King Black I am an Ivy League educated theologian here to get my doctorate what's your name and through the course of that year, he, he, when he found out that I used to be a Christian but walked away, he told me, he was like, now what lies are separating you from the love of God? And through the course of that year, systematically dismantled all the lies that were dis distancing me from God. Come on. And I was on a collision course with destiny. And then it wasn't soon after that that I met my wife, Julie. But God was just invading my life and setting me up. And, and so what happened was I had these stories that God, you did in my life. But there was a time where I needed Monty to rise up and kill that giant I couldn't kill. And Darian, you know, for as much intellectual prowess as he has, he needed somebody to step up. Uh, and Anthony Spark, a Mike Signorelli to say, come on, we'll kill this thing for you. You don't have to front on, uh, fight on the front lines the whole time. And so if you're here and maybe you just feel so perplexed, so confused, you just feel like, man, I don't know what to do. It just seems like I can't get victory over this doubt. Let me just tell you this. The Bible says that when you come into contact with God, there's an opportunity to ask a question. But he says this, come to me to come into this kingdom like little children. And you know, the questions of children ultimately produce more questions and that qu and those questions ultimately produce more wonder and if you're here and you feel like the questions that plague your mind have only produced more anxiety can i just tell you you have not come to him like a child because sometimes we come to him with our big boy pants on and we come to him having figured it all out because we watch 18 hours of conspiracy theory youtube videos we come to God because we read a couple of books and we say, okay, God, I'm coming to you like an adult. I've got some questions. And God's like, when you realize that you really don't want a God that you can figure out, then you might get one because you're going to have to worship me in spirit and in truth because you're never going to fit infinite inside your finite mind. But if you can come to me like a child, you can all of a sudden re be the recipient of wonder instead of confusion. And, and there was something that shifted in my heart because all of a sudden as Lamont King Black began to answer my questions those many years ago in Indiana University, Bloomington. And it was funny because all of my doubt, all of my fears begin to reveal the grandeur, the bigness, how expansive the heart and mind of God was and how deeply and intimately and personally he loved me. 
And, and so my prayer as we close this service out, can you just stand on your feet? My prayer is that all your questions would lead you into a deeper wonder that maybe you saw something today in service. Maybe something was revealed to you that just for a moment suspended all that doubt just long enough for somebody else to kill the giant for you. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I became just totally and completely aware of how much it's going to have to be God for there to be a change in your heart. Because if somebody can argue you into something, they can just as easily argue you out. One of the biggest evidences that Jesus was who he said he was is the lives of all these men who in one time were complete cowards and yet at another time were laying their life down. And Darian, he mentioned doubting Thomas. You know, the historical account of Thomas's death is that because he refused to relent that Jesus was the King of Kings and Jesus was God and the Messiah and the Savior of the world because he refused to relent that pagans threw him in an oven, turned up the heat, when they came back to check on doubting Thomas, the historical account was that he wouldn't die in the flames. I guess God was like, nope, not like that. They open up the door and those pagans begin to pierce him repeatedly with, with spears until he died. And you know, in one season of his life, one moment rather, he was called doubting Thomas because he needed a little bit more evidence that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. But how many of you know you can't judge an entire book by one page? You can't judge an entire book by one paragraph. And see, I don't see doubting Thomas. I see Thomas who just needed the nail-scarred hands of Jesus, extended him just one time. And he said, that's all I'll need. I will go all the way for you. And there's somebody, maybe it's not you, but it's somebody who's sitting next to you, standing next to you right now. And all they need is just one encounter where God stretches forth the the nail-scarred hands. And all of a sudden they say, God, I'll go all the way for you now. There's some people that think they know you. You're going to have to walk out of this place saying, you don't know me. Why don't you try it out right now? You don't know me. You've got to give yourself permission to change. You've got to promote yourself in your own mind and say, I'm a son and a daughter of the king. You know, when you think about David's story, I think the reason why we have this illustration of the giant that he could kill and the giant he couldn't kill is because the true hero of that story the entire time wasn't David, it was God. And see, the true hero of your story, it's not going to be you. You're going to slay some giants along the way, but there's going to be some times where you get in over your head and you're going to need the people of V1 Church to get around you and pray you through to the other side. But the only reason why we have that in the Bible is because we have people who will fight on our behalf. Maybe your biggest struggle isn't internal. Maybe it's external. Maybe you need to be in this type of place, in this type of community, inside of this type of environment. But until you understand that God is the hero of your story, you'll miss the entire thing. So was this a message about atheism? Not really. It was a message about encounter. 
And if you will open up your mouth and just begin to speak to your heavenly father, I can promise you this one thing, that the road back home is always faster than the one that took you away. If you will just open your mouth and call on his name and call him father, the road back home is always faster than the winding roads that took you far away. And no matter how far you ran, his arm is that much longer to stretch out and to bring you back into his embrace right now. So could you just close your eyes, remove all the distractions. I want to create a private moment for people who are still wrestling. You know, Jacob wrestled with the angel and on the other side of that wrestling match was a name change. So for all my saints and for all my ain'ts that are still wrestling, keep wrestling because you're about to get a name change. For everyone who's asking questions, questions are a sign of an intellect that's alive. It's okay to ask questions, but you don't want a God you can figure out, I'll tell you that much. You want a God much bigger than your finite pea-sized brain. So with every eye closed, if you're here and you're saying, I, I just don't know how to pray the pretty prayers that I should have learned in Catholic school. I don't know how to articulate as well as some of the people who took this stage, but my heart is speaking right now. And my heart is longing to be connected with this God that you talked about and we sang to you today. If you're here and you have a heart longing that's reaching out and trying to articulate desperation, would you just raise your hand with nobody looking around and saying, I want to know God. Come on, you can put your hands down. As soon as you lifted your hand, many of you in this place, that was it. That was it. Because more so than any kind of religion or tradition that we could conjure up, what it's always going to come down to is the disposition of your heart. And when you begin to move your heart in the direction of God, you begin to feel his presence envelop you. So what we're going to do right now to celebrate what God did in Darian's life is we are going to have another funeral for homecoming. And we're saying death to doubt today. Death to doubt today. And we're going to move in faith and do what God's called us to do. So would everyone here just lift up this prayer and borrow my words to close this out. We all say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for dying on the cross, that your blood was spilt so that I can be washed clean and restored in a relationship with you. And my heart cries out to know you, to be a friend to you, that you would be my father. And I commit my life completely to you. In Jesus' name, everyone just shout, amen. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.